Today on Never Was a Gamer, Dimitri sits atop a pile of 90s wrestling stories like a dorky dragon guarding its horde. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is my original tag team partner, Dimitri. Original? Does that mean one of us has turned on we, the other? <laughs> what? I feel like there there have been some twists and turns over the course of, of me learning this game, <laughs> learning about wrestling, learning about wrestlers, l- learning about this entire universe that I have honestly resisted learning anything about for a long time. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I'm really excited about this episode because today (laughs) we're doing WWF No Mercy for the N64, one of my all-time most played games. Like in terms of hours you've logged with it? It it has to be unquestionably one of the games I spent the most time with. It, It just has to be. I spent so much time playing this when I was younger which is why I really wanted to include it as part of our We Hate Sports arc, which I guess for you is kind of a double whammy because you hate sports and you also hate wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I don't always hate dumb games, though, which is the <laughs> advantage that we have here. And, and this is this was my hope. This is one of the reasons I wanted to do this game, not just because I have such fond memories of it and, and you know the wrestling genre, especially when I was younger, was so important, but because at least back then and at least... You know, I think with my group of friends, but I think we could we could say this more broadly. Wrestling games were party games in the late 90s, early 2000s. They were incredibly popular, much more popular than they are today, as was wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me and my friends, like late elementary school, the, you know, the games, the party games were Goldeneye and whatever the newest um, wrestling game was. Importantly, this style of wrestling game, like the, we'll get into this, but you know, the, the Aki produced wrestling games. So No Mercy is, is the best and the last of those. Okay. So were they, were they coming out basically annually, like every year you would get a game, like you get NFL or NBA or whatever now? Basically. And this caused a problem for me because okay. when I was younger, as you know, I was a huge wrestling fan, especially in the nineties. Yeah. We're all about to know about that. And I was obsessed with wrestling games, and I would buy yearly iterations of these games. So but you're that I've always want, you know, when I hear about FIFA coming out every year or whatever and doing bananas numbers, I'm like, who is buying a new version of this same shit every year? And and so here's what I would say. And again, because I'm so in it, maybe to outsiders, I will sound like a crazy person. Sure. <laughs> But I do think there's a difference because with wrestling games, a roster update is actually pretty substantial. I mm. think more so, and I think it changes the game more than, you know, a roster update in a football game. Right, like a, a different because defenseman? Each, because, is that it? Yeah, because in, in wrestling games, each character is so unique. Right. And and in wrestling games, the character you pick is so important. And, you know, different characters will have different styles of moves, sometimes different styles of gameplay. So, you know, just the roster update alone for me was worth getting new games, just even just to see new moves. Mm. And then often they would update it with new match types as well, which would fundamentally change the gameplay. For example, No Mercy was the first game ever to have a ladder match. 
Okay, which so which was incredibly exciting at the time. So am I also right in thinking then that like the league must have been introducing new types of matches year over year? Like, does that the also league. reflect? The, <laughs> I don't know. Like the WW the company does was Vince regularly creating new types of matches? At I mean, this ladder point? matches had been around in the WWF since the mid nineties. My hero Bret Hart was actually the person who introduced Vince McMahon to the ladder match because. They used to do ladder matches in the promotion that his dad ran in Alberta. Okay. The little like indie whatever thing that he came up in. Sure. it's it, We're not going to get into it, <laughs> okay. that, but sure. <laughs> this is one thing with wrestling is every every new fact that I learn feels like a window into a web of like, oh, we could talk for two hours just about. So this is like, why I was hoping you would bond with these games because <laughs> it's sports, but with lore. Right. Okay. So, you know that I love lore in games. You know that I have been heard to say I could never have too much lore in a game. And when I said that somewhere, a monkey's paw like <laughs> curled one time because it literally, it, like, I feel like every, co- and this isn't just because you happen to be like a literal fountain of knowledge about the history of wrestling, but like, I do actually think there's some like depth and context that really matters for or for how you like want to enjoy this game. And so I felt like I would ask these like really innocuous questions and it would just be like, well, sort of. See, there was this guy and back in the 90s, blah, blah, blah. And there was this little this little show happening out of Arkansas and that developed this thing that became and then Vince took that and the blah, blah, blah. And it's like you, you're like um, Charlie from It's Always Sunny with like the board of stuff mapped within like two minutes. It Yeah, there's no simple no simple answers in this. Is it is a it is a profoundly lore heavy? I mean, I guess it's like it's an entertainment franchise that's been that's been running continuously with some of those same characters for like what are we in the third decade of WWF? Did it start in the nineties? No, I mean WWF has been around since the seventies, and okay, so. and even before then, Vince's father had the WWWF, which was around since the sixties. Holy shit! Okay, so this is. This there is, is like, a legacy here. This is a you know This is this, like the young and the restless for dudes. This is like the soap opera drama has been going on for so long. Yeah, and there and there's a lot of layers. And and so the other thing about my obsession with wrestling and wrestling games specifically at this time is that WWF and WCW were both running and putting out decent games. Mm-hmm. So I would buy yearly iterations of games from each company. Oh my god. So well here's so here's the actual problem. In in kind of the late 90s, I I was always more of a WWF fan, but WCW was putting out the better games. Mm. And so I would buy both. Okay. But eventually the company that was making the WCW games, which was the company who made No Mercy, got the WWF license. Okay. So and, now we're in business. And so and once those forces combined, <laughs> Like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage shaking hands. Sure. It was pure electricity. <laughs> but, I hope somebody out there knows what you're talking about. But yeah, I, I mean, but even before this, on the Super Nintendo, I was buying all the WWF games I could find. And, you know, those games I would also dump, you know, probably hundreds of hours into. And going back, they were incredibly simplistic. And I think for people to understand why, why No Mercy and this style of wrestling game was so kind of mind-blowing for me is to understand what came before. And so we played a little bit of what would have been, I think, the game, the wrestling game I would have owned before 
the No Mercy style kind of game. Right. Which was a game on the Super Nintendo called WWF Raw, published by Acclaim. It is, there is a huge generational leap between these two. It is like, it's, it's very like, here's your one punch, here's your one grapple, move in and out in the space, somewhat limited roster. Like, I can imagine how there was fun to be had there, but you don't have a lot of the like contextual stuff, contextual um, buttons that you you get later on. Um, it's yeah, it's I I don't know that I would have wanted to spend twenty hours with this one. Yeah, it's a two D sprite based game, and there's a lot of button mashing involved, and and just kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of a button masher where each character has a life bar, and basically in order to pin them, you have to whittle their life bar down. Yeah, so it's. And I think this is something we see in the history of wrestling games of companies trying to figure out, you know, what do we do with this genre? What do you do with wrestling that is, you know, a simulated sport mm-hmm. in a lot? And sometimes, you know, the the answer would be, well, you know, we'll just make it a fighting like a competitive fighting game. Right, right. So it borrows that whole framework from from fighting games. Yeah. Which doesn't quite work. And we can right. we can get into we can get into why and why even playing it with that mindset, I think, makes the games less fun. Yeah, because this isn't exactly clean fighting, right? Like it's there's there's this performative aspect, there's this like a playful theatrics aspect. Mm-hmm. Like it's not this is not a fighting game, right? And this is one of the reasons I'm really interested in talking about this because it's really hard to think about how this would map on to a game that would be both fun and also communicate the essence of pro wrestling. Right. And I think No Mercy is a game that really nails it. In a way that you know previous wrestling games that I had played didn't, and again you played a little bit of WWF Raw, so you got a sense of you know the kinds of wrestling games I I was familiar with in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to communicate just how much of a I don't know generational difference there was between those Super Nintendo wrestling games and the games that came out on the N sixty four. It was it was much bigger for me, a much bigger leap than from two D to three D Mario or from you know, link to the past to Ocarina of Time. If you if you were to ask me, you know, what was the genre that changed and benefited the most from a move to 3D? For me, it was it was wrestling games. That is a huge statement. <laughs> yeah, and 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 like bar none, that would be that would be the answer. Okay. I mean, I I don't think I can even communicate how much I obsessed over these games the second I saw in my Nintendo Power that there was this game coming out. It was a WCW game, so again, I wasn't the biggest WCW fan, right? But this game coming out called WCW versus NWO World Tour. Should I know what NWO is? Probably. So, <laughs> see, this is what I'm talking about. You're so the like, NWO well, was this the like minutes. faction within WCW that. Okay, so there's. <laughs> oh my god, he's getting his whiteboard out, folks. <laughs> so the NWO was was part of maybe the biggest storyline in WCW history. Okay, and it started when two. Former WWF wrestlers kind of jump ship. Um, so Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jump ship okay. and and appeared on WCW TV and they were they were treated as invaders. Okay. And I think then too, like when people were watching, they knew in their back in the back of their minds that this was scripted, but also there was this element of reality and and the way that the WCW was treating them was that they were that they weren't welcome and you know they'd send security to kick them out. Okay. Um, so, like, it was clear that they were, you know, hired by the company, but there was this element of, oh, this is actually, you know, the competitor invading with some of their their wrestlers. I definitely remember from being a kid, there being much more, like, mystery and mystique and much yeah. more, like, if 
I don't know if the the leagues were less open about the fact that it's like very much. They were definitely less. Yeah, they definitely like, tried to make it. They tried to present it more as as if it was real. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and then the big thing that really kicked off the NWO was when Hulk Hogan joined them. Like he turned bad for the first time, not in his career, but since he became a mega star in the WWF. Okay. And he joined the NWO. That's when he became Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And okay. he, you know, kind of spray painted his beard black. Ew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So WCW versus NWO is like about this, this moment, this like they tension just, where they're all versus. It's not really about anything. It's just the name <laughs> of the wrestling game. There was no story mode in this one. It was very bare bones in terms of what you could actually do in it. But for me, this was my first exposure to a game built with the virtual pro wrestling engine. And so virtual pro wrestling was a game in Japan developed by this company called Aki. Okay. They had actually released a game on the PlayStation that was similar to this style. I just didn't really know it existed because I didn't have a PlayStation at this time. And so I was kind of get that magazine. Exactly. (laughs) And so when I started seeing these screenshots of, you know, this 3D wrestling game and then hearing or reading about things you could do in it, just seeing like a screenshot, for example, of somebody doing a backflip from the apron of the ring to the outside, like that is a move that I could never as a kid conceptualize would ever be in a video game. Like I didn't think that I would ever be able to do that. In my mind, you know, wrestling games had peaked with the Super Nintendo. It's going to be punch, grab, throw forever. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I never knew about Fire Pro Wrestling at this time, which was, and maybe still is, the best overall simulation of wrestling. A a recent one came out on the PS4 uh, called Fire Pro World, which is is really good. I don't think it's as accessible. Okay. It, It definitely wouldn't be a party game. Okay. Okay. Got it. But I, but yeah, it's more like for the skilled player who wants to really dig in and like. Know I think their so. Character. There's so much depth there okay. that I, it's not really pick up and play. You kind of do have to know, I think, more about wrestling to get into it. As we will discuss, this turned out to be not my forte. <laughs> um, and so these games exist in the world. I just didn't know they existed. Sure. And so really, when I when I saw WCW versus NWO World Tour, that my my mind was just blown. And then I got the game and and was obsessed. And I bought the next iteration in 1998, which was WCW Revenge. And actually, what's really interesting about those games is that they'd have the WCW wrestlers, and then they'd have all these other like made-up factions and wrestlers. Okay. But all of those wrestlers were kind of knockoffs of actual Japanese wrestlers. Oh. And so they'd, you know, they'd have a different name, and they'd look slightly different, but they'd have the exact same moveset of, say, a New Japan or an All Japan pro wrestling wrestler. Were, were like, North American wrestling fans, like, aware of the well, Japanese? For me, this is how I became aware. Oh, okay. And it was learning about this on the internet and then getting really interested in Japanese wrestling. Okay. And But it was really through this game and, you know, seeing this 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 character who did, you know, these flips, for example, mm-hmm. that I'd never seen before and thinking, oh, this this just must be an animation made up for the game. No human could do this. And then realizing that, no, actually, this is based off this real wrestler in Japan. And, you know, just following the sure. the trail back. Because in- interestingly enough, these wrestling games also coincide with me having the internet at home. Ah, this opened some doors. <laughs> yeah, and the, and you know, this was I think the first game I remember obsessively following message boards for, and um, just hearing rumors and you know hearing people speculate about what would be in the game. I remember I was on some message board, and there was somebody on the message board who was presenting themselves as an insider, you know, somebody from the company who's actively working on the game, and they would feed us information. They were full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun though that that. That development, that access to the internet and that like uh, your at least access to that message board culture 
comes at the same time when you're about to get so much more depth in these games mm-hmm. and like so much more cool stuff to figure out and to set up and to do and all that. Like that's I feel like that's there would be no point before this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so you'd have people asking this uh, this person who supposedly works for the company, you know, is this move going to be in the game? Is this move going to be in the game? I remember one that people were obsessing about at the time was it wasn't a WCW move, but it was Bret Hart at this time was doing this figure four around the ring post. Okay. Which is very complicated when you think about, oh, how do you even put this in a game? And people were asking if that move would be in the game. And this guy was like, of course it will. <laughs> it's not in the game. <laughs> but, My uncle at Nintendo yeah. says it will. But there was so much in these in these uh, WCW games from 1997 to 1988 that were just um, incredible. And then, you know, there were WWF games at the time. Acclaim still had the license and they were putting out 3D games. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were Warzone and Attitude were the two WWF games. They're definitely much more advanced than the Super Nintendo ones, but they still kept kind of the fighting game approach to approach, like design yeah, like mentality. Ethic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so even like your button inputs to do a move, you'd you know, like have to push like toward toward B to do, you know, a DDT or a suplex. Like straight up Street Fighter combos. Yeah, not so much with the half circles, but definitely like tap tap okay. button. Right. And trying to do that in 3D space and it it just never really got the flow of of a wrestling match for me and you know i think like looking at them now looking back on them now they're pretty bad games i think i convinced myself at the time they were really good because i preferred the wwf and you know the characters i want to play were in those games i mean you can have a fun time with a bad game as we've discussed sure and i did but yeah they didn't have the depth um you know characters basically had health bars and so you know you really just go in and you just try to spam your moves to whittle down the health bar which doesn't lend itself to to a good wrestling match. Whereas I think the Aki games, NWO World Tour, Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, which was the first game they made when they got the WWF license, and then and then kind of culminating in No Mercy, really really allows you to kind of engage with the game in a way that feels like you're actually having a a match. It's interesting you say that because one of the one of the most interesting things to me of about playing through this is learning more about your definition of like what makes a good match or like what makes them like this is something that I have I've never fully understood that and I do feel like I understand that dynamic now and it's not as simple as like oh I I played really clean I like got his health down really fi-. you know what I mean it, it is like a very different set of criteria okay. than in a clear fight so I'm curious to know what you think then makes a good match. And then I think we should talk about how No Mercy enables that kind of gameplay. Sure. I mean, I still don't know that I have my own criteria that are independent from yours, but I think I think there's there's some artistry in the pacing and the back and forth of who's on top and like um sort of the the rhythm of of struggle in it and like when the big moves are being pulled out, like I think as as we got you know as we got playing more, I think I learned a lot about having having certain openers or ways to open a match, having like a certain progression through the the mid or late stage match. And then like the final phase where maybe you're turning around being behind or you're looking for that opportunity to finish people off, like turning the corner into that closing era sort of has its own mm-hmm. things that I think we're looking for in terms of like you want to get that big finisher out or you want to set people up and like in tag team matches, maybe you want to be controlling where the other guy is. So this guy can't tap out. Like that's just, that's it, it's tag out. Okay. Tap outs when they submit. Okay. Yeah. I meant, I meant tag out, 
But yeah, so much of it is about controlling the theatrics mm-hmm. of of that as opposed to just like, you know, how quickly were we able to overcome this this opponent? Uh, and that that turns out to be fun. Th- that's it. And that was what was really important for me and always missing from the earlier games that I just never really knew I'd be able to have in a video game. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, the flow of the match is really important. It's not like a fighting game where I'm really content winning outright right. and, and like feel great about just, right. you know, decimating the opponent. You know, decimates a, a, Vince, a great Vince McMahon word. <laughs> he loves that word. No Vince McMahon words on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but like you said, when you're having a match. When your superstar is going <laughs> up across the other superstar. When you're having a match, you really want a flow of the match. Right. You want drama. You want near falls. You want big moments. You want each of the participants to be in control for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to set up interesting scenarios where you can, you know, end with a more dramatic move. Right. And not just with, you know, a cheap punch. Another one of your same, like, hold that you've done 50 which, times. Which is exactly the opposite of a fighting game. Whereas in a fighting game, I'm absolutely content to win if, you know, my last winning move is a, the cheapest little quick jab. We love to cheese it. <laughs> yeah, you know, just to to get rid of the last little bit of the opponent's health meter. Like, that's yeah. so satisfying. And that's, that doesn't translate to a wrestling game if you're trying to communicate the essence of what pro wrestling is about. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I, I do feel like I really learned over the course of, of playing this is that I, I guess I sort of thought the story of wrestling is like those little interstitial things between matches where one guy says to the other like, I challenge you to do the whatever. But like the the story of a of a wrestling match is so much more these sorts of dynamics that happen mm-hmm. with it. It's almost sort of what we talked about with Spelunky, where there's like an emergent mm-hmm. game. Like the story is your experience of of playing the thing. There's a little bit of that in this. And I think it's like having played that in this game, I I bet it will be a little bit easier for me to see that in like actual wrestling Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah like i said like i was a huge wrestling fan at this time and like i knew a lot about it i watched a lot and you know could identify what a good match is or or at least you know i had preferences for what made a good match what made made a bad match and i I wonder and i don't know like if other people are really invested in some sport and they're playing a sports game do they feel similarly like do they really want to pull off impressive plays to add to the drama or is it really just about winning for them i i i genuinely don't know well, it, it's sort of like how I talked about Tony Hawk as being like um, skateboarding as like the butch version of figure skating, <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. it's like about the artistry of the tricks and stuff like that. There's like an, an elements of that showmanship like here, here as well. Um, so I'm, I guess some some sports that are more like feet based, I bet, <laughs> haven't, you know what I mean? Versus like soccer, where it's like, oh, we're just trying really hard to get one goal. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe if some people get, become really good at the soccer games, they really want to add, you know, some flourish to the plays. One of the questions that this actually raised for me, which I think has has been partially answered in an interesting way, is whether there has ever been a wrestling game that actually let you have the the feeling of the behind the scenes theatrics. Like in in the moment where we are now, I feel like people are way more aware of um who the wrestlers are behind their characters and like what's going on in the league and the plot. Like it's just, it's way more, we're way more aware of, of the larger, like what's actually going on. Um, And, you know, the process of how wrestlers train and mentorships and how teams get, like, 
you know, it's not just that like we're taking everything at face value anymore. And and I was so curious if there had ever been a game that tried to capture that nature of things as well. Um, and I feel like I ended up seeing you play one really recently that seemed like a partial answer to this question. Oh, so you're talking about the Fire Pro world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, it's an interesting question because I haven't actually played any American wrestling games in a long, long time. Like I haven't played a WWF game since the PS2 era. Okay. Which for me was the last time I think wrestling games were really good. I mean, there, there might have been one or two EA ones that that people seem to like. I just haven't played them. Um, but I know in those games, they did have a story mode. And it was this weird hybrid because part of it would be that you're a guy training to be a wrestler. And you'd kind of go through the steps that maybe somebody training to be a wrestler would go through. Okay. But it was also integrated with story, like wrestling storyline. Okay. And so it's this weird hybrid where, you know, it wasn't completely... You weren't going to your the script writer, for example, or the or the person wasn't right, telling right, you, right, right, right. you know, you have to lose this match, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Fire Pro is the one that does it best, not in the sense of this behind the scenes stuff, but in the fact that in that game you're actually incentivized to put on the most dramatic matches. Okay, and there are mechanics in the game that are about allowing your opponent to get the upper hand over you. This is one of the specific things I was thinking about is at one point when um, my opponent was like grabbing me and clearly positioning me to do a very specific kind of lift. In no mercy. In no mercy. I was thinking like it would be so cool if in this game there was, I had to see that and respond with a thing that like makes me respond and like help do that trick in a way that isn't going to hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, trick. well, no, you know what I'm, you know what I mean though? Like it, they have to understand like what is about to, both wrestlers have to know what the throw is, right? To do it safely more or less. Yeah. There's no game that simulates that, that that's like a, I don't know, like a, a like dancing a pure, game. That's like a, that's like a stage fighting. Yeah. It's like a partner's dancing type. Game. Like I don't think, yeah, there's nothing like that. I just think that would be so interesting. It uh, doesn't have to be what this is, but yeah, and Fire Pro doesn't quite do that, but they get they get close in the in the, in the sense that if you're going through the story mode or if you want to kind of rank really highly because they'll score your matches at the end, it does need to have a back and forth flow. You okay. do need to, um, you know, allow your opponent to to get the upper hand at certain points to you know to create a dramatic match, and you know they'll give you extra points if you win with your finisher, for example, or right, if you win right. with a, a move that you've designated one of your signature moves rather than if you win with you know a dinky move. Sure. So so it has a little bit of that. But yeah, there's been nothing that's about that's really about working with the collaborative somebody. staging yeah. of a good match, like yeah, your opponent extent, as no. your partner. You know yeah, what I to mean? To that extent, there there hasn't been. Listen, there's, there's I mean, room in the market. So one interesting thing that has come out of this is that there was for a while, and I'm sure there still is, but people making their own leagues basically with their own created characters like in these games in these games oh. that they then kind of act out storylines and post uh, post them online and so in that case it was kind of collaborative because the people working would actually be using the games to simulate you know the match to give it the outcome they wanted to progress the storylines they're they're writing. very much staging like how this how they want this to play yeah cool. i don't think it was with no mercy i think it was with uh, one of the gamecube ones one of the gamecube wrestling games but there's the site called nodq.com that for years stage these really great storylines and events with their creative characters and like the creative characters like mario and luigi were some of them and <laughs> they were a tag team and then luigi turned on mario at some point it was sure. really dramatic yeah th- th- those were great so in that sense i think people did that with the games right. you know if people if friends were playing together and they wanted to actually act out some storylines they would do it in the games but none where the game itself forces you to do that as 
I love that. I think that's extremely fun. So we actually haven't talked yet about what this game is and how No Mercy allows for these dramatic dynamics to take place. Maybe let's take a quick break. So when we come back, we'll talk about the gameplay of No Mercy and then how we got you into it, how we eased you into this game and trained (laughs) you to become your own professional wrestler, your own superstar. And we're back. And so before the break, we were talking a lot about how No Mercy really allowed for us to feel the drama of a match unfold. And the reason it's able to do that is because of its famous grappling system. And the grappling system is what really differentiated this style of game, again, the what I'm calling the Aki games, from other wrestling games at the time. And again, what I didn't realize is that, you know, they borrowed some of their ideas from Fire Pro, mm-hmm. but then also, I think, simplified a lot of what Fire Pro was doing to allow it to be much more accessible. Um, but basically, the grappling system allowed for, at least for me, uh, a perfect mix of simulation and kind of arcade friendliness, right? Because you, you also don't want a complete simulation of wrestling, that you, you want some kind of... You want to feel like you're in the fight, like you have to feel some sincerity to the... Right, and you want these games to be accessible so you can play them with other people. I right. think that's really important for a wrestling game. Um, you can't assume that all of your friends will be as into it and as into these games as you are, like... Correct. <laughs> like you want to, be, and this is this is really important for me because I'd want to bring my N sixty four to friends' houses and we'd all play these games. And if you know, if they had to, you know, spend hours practicing in order to stand a chance, they're just not fun. Right. Right. Um, which is, you know, why sometimes fighting games don't always work. Um, but these games, kind of, everybody has a chance because the the grapple system is kind of so versatile and pick up and play and relatively simple, but really deep. So basically, how the grappling system works is that every move so every hold in the game is done out of a grapple and you have a quick grapple and a strong grapple and the grapple is done by pressing a so if you tap a you do a weak grapple Mm -hmm. and if you hold a you'll do a strong grapple and once you've grappled your opponent you hit a directional button and either a or b and depending on what direction what button you press you'll do a different move Mm -hmm. and if you if you initiated the move with a weak grapple, you do a weaker move, and with a strong grapple, stronger move. Right. Yeah. So, so, so pretty, so pretty simple. And that basic system applies to the striking as well. Right. Whereas, if you want to do a quick strike, you just tap B. But if you hold B or if you hold A and B together, you do a stronger strike, but one that takes kind of much longer to wind up. And this is such a friendly system. Like, especially as someone who doesn't come in knowing a lot about wrestling, I can't imagine picking up a guy off the shelf and having to try to learn like again like the fighting game style stuff of like okay my right square my like whatever um this is just in the beginning when you're still figuring stuff out like you start with grapple and then like almost any combination that you put in you're going to get something out of it Mm -hmm. and that lets you or it let me at least 
learn how those things work in a way that felt much more organic and and easier than like reading through a move list or Mm -hmm. a manual where it's like, okay, over, over, down is going to do that. Like, I just, I cannot hold that in my head, but, but getting into a grapple and just hitting like down A and seeing what that is, like, I, I can feel that so much more and I can retain that so much more. And like, it lets you get like a, a you are doing something like you're that's never it, really yeah. failing combos in this. And that's it. And so, like I said before, those acclaim wrestling games were move list based. And I, even when I was playing them myself, you'd always be pausing, checking your move list. And right. you could never play with another person because you'd both always want to be right. checking your move list. <laughs> how do I do my finisher? How do I do this move? But yeah, this game, you you know, basically how to execute a move and then. You can do it. You can do it every time. It also allows, and this is the thing that blew my mind. The, this grappling system allows each wrestler to have so many possible moves mm-hmm. because they have one tied to A and B, and then any of the directions plus A and B. Yeah, and, and, and then you're strong and, and, weak. and strong and weak, right? So it's it's an insane number of moves that you have at your disposal. And well, and another thing that at least was helpful for me here is you have different moves depending on what position your opponent is in at the time when you like grab them, but you still are using the same entry point. So like if your opponent, for example, is on the ground and face down, like you can still go into it with that. Like you still can approach no matter what's going on. If they're faced away from you, if they're up on a post, if they're outside the ring, if they're on the apron, which I have now learned is what that's called. Um, Like it just no matter what, you're going to get a good result out of approaching them in this way. Yeah. And it makes it makes logical sense that, you know, if your opponent's down and you go by their legs or head and hit the grapple button, you're probably going to do a hold or a submission move. Yeah. Or if you hit the strike button, you'll probably you'll do a strike. Yeah. And and like Michelle said, it's the same system regardless of what position they're in. So really, you just once you kind of learn the basics of the grapple system, it's just a matter of experimenting with it and learning how to do different moves from different positions. Mm-hmm. And and I think for you, like one of the one of the parts of the learning curve for you was learning about all the different positions or places you could put your opponent. Very much, yes. Like throwing your opponent into the corner. And then when they're in the corner, what are the things that you can do? And if you don't watch wrestling, you might not know or even think of... No clue. The like- types of moves you can do from the corner. For example, you know, you can flip your opponent around and do a back suplex off the top. Or you can... In this game, which is again blew my mind, you could even do this in a game. I think it's if you hit R, you if your opponent's in the corner, you flip them upside down so their feet are kind of dangling in the ropes and their heads at the ground, which is called the tree of woe. And then you can <laughs> you can stomp on them from there, or, or you know, run across the ring and do a striking attack when they're in that position. It's just it's just so versatile, and there's so many possibilities. Yeah, that's very that's very much the case. Like it would never have occurred to me that you could turn a guy around and then have access to different moves if his back is to you versus his front. Like I, this is just some of the fluency with like the breakdown of of what happens in a wrestling match mm-hmm. that I just didn't have going right. on. Right. Like if you knew, for example, that there's a move called the camel clutch. <laughs> sure. There's a move called everything. Yeah. No names of moves. And like if me. you want, you'd be like, oh, is that move in this game? And then you could probably figure out that your opponent would have to be like on the ground, belly down sure. for you to do that move. And so you'd understand, you know, that could be a position. But if you don't know what moves are even possible... Yeah. That's, I think, where the learning curve comes in. But again, it's it's pretty easy to learn that and to start experimenting and seeing what moves are done to you and then replicating yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, so there's this grappling system. And then the other thing that I think really makes this game accessible and, and adds to the flow is a pretty straightforward reversal system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where your L and R are your reverse buttons. You have one of the buttons to reverse 
strikes and one to reverse grapples. And so you, there is kind of this strategic element where you're always trying to guess, you know, what's your opponent trying to do so you could time the button press in accordance with whether they're going to try to strike or grapple. But it really allows you to change the flow of, of the match pretty quickly. Like on a dime, you can have the upper hand. Yeah. And and again, it doesn't require that much um, skill. Yeah. It, it requires some timing and, and you know, psyching out your opponent. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's incredibly accessible and almost forces a flow to to the match. And then the reverse system and the grappling system, I think, really work together to create a sense of flow because, you know, as as we mentioned before, those strong grapples take so much longer to, you know, the animation for the strong yeah. grapple is so much longer. So it gives your opponent such an easy opportunity to to reverse it. Yeah. Same with the strikes. You know, your opponent can see them coming from, you know, a mile away. So you really want to wear your opponent down before you even try those moves, get them in some kind of dizzy state. Mm-hmm. And so that forces you to you know to start off the match with some weaker moves, with some weak grapple moves, with some weak strikes, and build up to the more spectacular strong moves. You know, the more spectacular moves are mapped to the stronger button. And so you don't have somebody just coming in and, you know, spamming their finisher, where you actually build like an actual wrestling match would build. I think something that also differentiates this from the way it feels to be in a fighting game or whatever is I've always kind of like laughter rolled my eyes at the theatrics of wrestlers will like do one move to each other and then like roll around on the ground for 15 seconds being like you don't think it hurts no i think it hurts but i've always it's always honestly felt kind of slow to me in that way but it actually was really fun in this game because instead of in a fighting game where you spend a lot of time in in each other's faces and in each other's space like working intimately with each other's timings this is one where it's sort of a string of encounters. Like it, mm-hmm. one match is sort of like the two guys coming at each other. One's going to one's gonna get the hit or get the grapple or whatever and execute a thing. And then both are going to have like four seconds of like slowly getting back up or whatever. And then you're going to reapproach each other for like another pass. And it makes it almost into this system where A, you in some ways feel like you're getting a redo every time you come back to that Mm -hmm. person and you get your next your next like Mm -hmm. cross with them within a match. It's very different from like if you're getting a beat down in a fighting game and you're like just circling the drain like I don't know it it it, it's very fun. It almost makes it feel sort of like a draw system where like they're coming at you and you're trying to think like what they're going to be doing and you're thinking okay what do i want to do and what is our positions like can i you know swing them over the road like what what's going to happen and i mean the other thing that really benefits this is that we don't have health bars in this game instead you have a stamina meter that basically reflects how well or poorly you're doing in the match like how much actually i think they called it the momentum meter and so it's really like how how much momentum you have in the match and that can fluctuate over the course of the match where you as a character can go from being in danger, where it's actually literally flashing the words danger on the screen, yeah, to getting it back up into the red, which is really strong, and getting your special. You know, and, and that can happen multiple times for the same character over the course of the match. So you you know, you actually get to you feel like even if you've been losing at the beginning and 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 even if you, you know, your opponent's really kind of destroying you, that you always feel like there is a potential. You just need you know, one good reversal or, totally. or one move to pull out, and then you could start building that momentum back. Yeah, absolutely. So we coming into this, we sort of knew we needed a plan for the onboarding, right? Because I was very low information about this coming in. Yeah, and you sound like a pro now. 
Well, thanks. I mean, I didn't know what NWO was, but so we we sort of had a, a stratified, a, a step-by-step process of, of warming me up to this system. We started very helpfully, but also somewhat frustratingly with one-on-one training, where it was just you and I and you just talking me through how to do the inputs to get, to well, get the faces. It's, it's how to do the inputs, but I think more importantly, just to give a sense of you know how little Michelle knew coming in, just basically like how do you win a match? What are the conditions? Oh, I had no idea. I think you knew that pins were involved or could be involved. Uh, yes. But, you know, teaching you about submission moves that, you know, that the opponent can tap out. Teaching, I thought there was something about sometimes if people are out of the ring for too long. Which is, is true. That? But you can turn that off. And, you know, depending on the match settings of the matches you're put in, sometimes countouts would be on, sometimes it'd be off. I had no idea how many different types of matches there Similar are. Similar with disqualifications. Sometimes you'd be disqualified if you used a weapon. Sometimes right. you wouldn't. So, you know, it was just teaching you, you know, what to look for when they were actually giving you the settings of the match, like mm-hmm, what that meant, mm-hmm. and then the different ways that you could that you could win. Yeah. So once we had sort of got some one-on-one training down, I went ahead and created my own character because as I understand it, this is one of the fun things that you can do in this game. Yeah. So that was another big innovation. The Acclaim games, Warzone and Attitude, are really what started the... Uh, create a wrestler in wrestling games. Okay. Uh, but I think No Mercy has a has a terrific one once once the you know once Aki started picking it up, once THQ started picking it up. And yeah, creating your wrestler is always one of the most fun parts. There's just so much you can do and it's it's so much fun to just kind of put your you know just get your own creation into a game that still kind of looks like because I think the these graphics are so they're not you can tell who the characters are, but they're not stellar graphics. They're a little crunchy. The good part about that, though, is that your create a character looks like they belong. It's not like one of those <laughs> yeah. games where, you know, the character you create looks so much worse than, you know, the official characters. Yes. It's like you create a character and that character immediately fits and works with this roster. Right. And then, yeah. And then once I had my character, we went into a tag team championship together. So we played sort of the the story mode as a tag team. Yeah, and this presented more challenges than I was expecting because in my memory, No Mercy allowed for multiplayer like two people to go through the tag team champion story mode together. This is not true. <laughs> but using a Game Shark code, we were actually able to to do it together. So we did kind of cheat, but we were actually able to go through the story mode together as a tag team, which was really fun. Yeah. So After we had done that one-on-one training, I went to go practice just a tiny bit uh, doing one-on-one battles with uh, not Dimitri, with with computer guys. Uh, And this is where I started to feel some real dread because this I did not find fun in the slightest. I was like, this is where I started to turn a corner into like, oh no, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be good. And just at this moment when when I started to feel true despair over how my relationship was going to turn out with this game. Along came Switchblade Kelly. So this is your created character's name. So I assume you know who Machine Gun Kelly is. No. 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 Like the musician. Oh, sorry. Yes, I was thinking wrestling. I'm like aware of Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Was that? And So do you know who Switchblade Jay White is? No. Okay, because that's a wrestler in New Japan. Okay, I had no idea. You must have, like, was there a Machine Gun Kelly? Like, I don't understand how you no, okay, came up so, with this character that is both 
it seems like ripping off things that already exist, but things that you're not really aware of. (laughs) So, okay, I started with I knew he was going to be named Kelly because one of the things that I always love is when like tough guy fighters have like uh, like women's first names. Like if you have like a boxer named Holly, like I love that shit. I don't know why, but I always have. It's it's I just I love it. So I knew uh like you would never call them on the feminineness of it because they're a big tough fighter guy, but like I don't know. I I just I love that shit. So I knew his name was gonna be Kelly. Um and as I was designing him, I the reason I ended up picking Switchblade is because I wanted the short form of his name to be Switch. Um this guy, I love this character. <laughs> I just love him. He's got like this like sassy, like puckered face. Like I don't even know how to when describe it. When you saw it. this face, you knew this was going to be I cackled. It was done. I was like, oh, that's Kelly. Um, he had like bright purple hair. Um, he's wearing like a, a like Bam Bam from the Flintstones one-shouldered leotard top and dressed in kind of like bisexual flag colors with like bright sneakers and like really fun wristbands and fingerless gauntlets. I just I love him. And one and so as I was picking like color scheme and stuff like that and thinking more I I really wanted to put him in like this specific color scheme and then all I kept thinking is that he looks like he's from the circus. And so then that got me to Switchblade Kelly's backstory. Which I invented in my head, which never became relevant at all in the match, but it still exists. Which is that Switchblade Kelly was raised in the circus, but he escaped because he didn't want to be there. He was like an acrobat and he escaped. And so he's on the run, but when he was young, he always watched wrestling. So he goes to the WWF thinking he can he knows enough to figure out how to blend in here. But because of his back, his background is weird. Everything he does is like a little off. Like it's like a weird reinterpretation of like what he saw growing up. So one of the first things that so this is a fun thing. When you do this character creator, like fine, you spend five minutes working on the guy's appearance, but you set and customize every single move this character has in every context. Strong grapples, weak grapples, on the ground, your your strikes, your from the post things on the side, your like everything. I have never seen a more detailed character creator in all my days. And I mean that's that's I think the best way for you to see to be exposed to what are even the different scenarios that can happen in a match. Yes. Right? Because, because you're forced to pick the moves that correspond to every possible scenario. Right. And so and you get to you see you get to see your character do it mm-hmm. once, which also helped me understand, yeah, what is possible. And so one of the fun things that I wasn't really expecting is that I ended up sort of formulating what Kelly's character would be in my head through choosing his moves. Like they sort of co-created and expressed each other as as we went. And so one of the first things that happened is I figured all of Kelly's Kelly's thing is he always likes to do a little something extra. So he's always going to choose something that seems showy or has a little twirl involved or has that <laughs> little extra acrobatic elements. Um, and that became one of the through lines through all my move choices. Um, and it also became the thing that determined what ended up being, I think, Kelly's signature moves, which are do you know what what would you say Kelly's signature moves were? So his signature moves, he had this 
leg drop where he would spin around in a circle before doing the leg drop. The tippy taps. He would sort of like do this tiptoe, like spin around in a circle and then do the leg drop. Yep. He had a move. I don't know what it's called in real life where he, but it, it was like, he'd get them in like a, he'd like, do a he, he'd like do a headstand. So he'd like grab their, their head in between his legs. Kind of like he was going to do a hurricane rana, but instead of flipping them over, he kind of spins to the side. Yeah, and then they go, they go flying. That's called the gotta let him know. You do that for the first thing that Kelly likes to do when he's in a new match against a new opponent. Opponent is get them in the gotta let him know because you gotta let him know who they're up against. And then you're way too into this Kelly so character. I I love this. Every single the start of every match, the first thing I always tried to do was gotta let him know. Yep. And then after that we would go into the like gentler, like weaker, favorite, like none of these moves were designated as Kelly's finisher. No. Which is important here because Michelle was <laughs> never finished with a finisher because she much preferred the spin around leg drop. More the gotta let him know. But it was fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And I, I got into this, like yelling, yeah, gotta let him know. Every you time. really got into this character. I love Kelly. I love him. He's the light of, of this game for me. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is important to talk about of this era of wrestling game, especially, is the actual roster that comes with the game. Right. Because, you know, you made Kelly, but when you're practicing him or when you're practicing with me, you know, I'd say, you know, who do you want to who do you want to be? And you got to see this, you know, late 90s WWF roster, which is a very special roster. So I this is the single place where I most think the game presumes that the player knows about wrestling. You just get an icon, like basically a headshot of, of the person and a name. Yeah. And, and you see like his you can see his 3D model when you select him. I mean, do you get any other information in a fighting game? Uh. Not real. Okay, here's the here's the thing. Trying to pick a wrestler without knowledge is an extremely cursed process in this context because well, there is horrifying shit behind some of them. <laughs> might I remind you of who chose Baraka as her her the character she thought she would like the best? He was visually appealing. Okay, here's oh well, here's example. who she thinks is visually appealing. Here, my first choice, which I just picked because his name made me laugh, was Val Venus. Yeah, the, the the character who was a porn star character, whose most famous storyline involved him getting kidnapped by a Jap a faction of Japanese wrestlers, uh, because he ostensibly slept with their manager's wife, and they kidnapped him and were going to quote choppy choppy his pee pee. Great. So this is the kind of shit you can stumble into accidentally. And and now this act, the guy who was Valvinus, is now just a off his rocker, super extreme extremist right winger who I think right. owns a pot shop somewhere. So this is some of the cursedness that I'm trying to explain is like, you know, it's not that I'm hurting anyone by playing as that guy in this game. It's just like gross. It feels bad to me, but I can't tell that his name is just Val Venus. Like I have to, I you have to tell choose that he's probably gross. I have to choose based on Val stupid Venus. stuff. Well, Okay. So that was that was the first one. And then you gave me that context. And I was like, Ugh, OK, how about this one? And I point at Viscera. Viscera. In which, ev again, everything is a rabbit hole. We get into the background of Viscera. And then we're talking about The Undertaker, which has some wild shit in that background. Like, it, it just, it, it's like, 
I don't know. It's like some of the squares have an electric shock that, and you don't know which ones until you start poking at them. I, I'm still kind of surprised of the ones you picked. I mean, there, there's like, you know, Rikishi, who's like this big fat Samoan guy who wears the thong and shoves his butt in people's faces, like with like shock blonde hair. How'd you not pick that guy? Well, so I didn't know he did the butt thing, did I? Until like playing against or or seeing him. Like I can see like a big fat Samoan guy, but like. You see his attire. You yeah. You see his bleach blonde hair. You're like, you're not like that guy's kind of interesting or, or even picking up uh, your friend Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, so I, I felt like, I felt like playing as the rock was kind of cheating. <laughs> like he's in Disney movies now. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like I wouldn't be really leaning into the spirit of the game by choosing the rock, you know? It's like I wouldn't have chosen Batista if he was in this. Yeah, this is before Batista's time. This yeah. was maybe at their trashiest. Right. So the other thing is like with Rashiki, I look at it and Rikishi. I Rikishi, I just look at it and see red flags for like the most horrifying racist shit you've ever seen. But it wasn't. Right. But and he I dances. don't know. But I don't know that. But I don't know that. And like in this in world of WWF, there's a good chance. Yeah. Rikishi's the rock's cousin. Yeah, in I'd, real life, and then once he ran over Stone Cold, sick to help to help the Rock advance his career, and that's when he turned bad. and And Mick Foley had, was like a detective and had to try to figure <laughs> out who ran over who ran over the Rock, and he dis- he discovered it was Rikishi. It was like, who ran great, over Stone Cold? Or, yeah, sorry, who ran over Stone Cold? And it was Rikishi, and it was a great storyline. Okay, see, I mean, I like all of that, but again, this is this is context one does not get from a photo and a name. I mean, you're not going to get the context for the, the characters. You can't just, expect this is that what from I'm the saying. game. There's like uh, behind every door is yes. like a whole, yes, a whole circus. There's and you so don't know more. if it's a good circus or if it's an extremely cursed circus. <laughs> um, uh, and I mean, part of this, part of knowing the lore w- came into play when we were going to start our career mode because we wanted to pick the best possible tag team partner right. for Kelly. So okay. who, the character that I would play. So my logic here is that Kelly's on the run from the circus people, right? He wants to be able to blend into this pro wrestling world. So he wants a partner who is like steeped in like wrestling legitimacy because he knows he's an outsider coming in, right? So I chose Kurt Angle, who this- you explained to me as just being an actual Olympic wrestler and no other defining traits. Well, no, he's... He- so he's very entertaining. He's actually really funny. But mm. primarily he was he's an actual Olympic gold medalist who then transitioned into professional wrestling. And so he's he's known and he was great at it. And so he's known as, you know, like the be- one of the best wrestlers. Like a technical. Yes. Yeah. And so I thought that he would be good to kind of train Kelly in the ways of pro right. wrestling. Right. Exactly this. So he was the one who we started with. Within like Three match. So actually, so this brings us to this, this thing that I really like about this game is that when you're in the career mode, when you're in the story mode, you don't have to win all of your matches. Yeah. And yeah, the story will continue if you lose sometimes. And you know, we had started, and uh, we weren't, we weren't really, we weren't, we hadn't, we hadn't got there yet. Yeah. No. And like as you mentioned before, I think you know one thing that I think I was really impressed because you picked it up really quickly is like you picked up like the psychology of tag team wrestling. Mm. really really quickly and like started to learn that okay like you know you, they always say in wrestling you want to cut the ring in half 
so that you are always keeping your opponent in your half of the ring so that he can't go and tag out and that you can always tag out in case you get into trouble. Well, and the guy on the apron can like grab him and stuff. Yeah. And so you you kind of started adapting to that really quickly and are always kind of, you know, just treating the ring as if it was in half and keeping the opponent over there. But our first few matches didn't go so well and we actually lost our first or maybe I think our second match. It was match an early one. Yeah. And uh, after that happened, you know, you get a little story cutscene, And in that cutscene, Kurt Angle called you a loser and turned on you. Yeah, he blamed me for losing the match. And he was like, you suck. I can't be with someone like you and left. What a little bitch. So after all that thinking about who would be the perfect tag team partner, he's gone. And then you just get a choice of three other people that they just select randomly. And you pick Perry Saturn. So then I was Perry Saturn for the rest of this. (laughs) Who's also great. And then Kurt Angle became obsessed with me. Oh, yeah. In the storyline. Oh, my God. He comes back so many times trying to fight. Like, just move on. You broke up with me. (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah like kurt angle would not leave us alone kept challenging us to all these kinds of matches would challenge kelly to a singles match but over time we did really well as a tag team we went through the ranks we got to face off against some classic wf tag teams in their signature matches so we played against the hardy boys in a ladder match which i now them. know is their thing at a certain point you had to to help pick us pick our next opponents you had to become the special guest referee. Yeah, which I had no idea how to do. Yes, and did I, you want to explain what the special guest <laughs> referee is? Which is, which was a, I don't know if it was in WrestleMania 2000, but it was, again, one of those modes that wasn't in a lot of earlier games. And then it it appeared and everybody was really excited about it. This was hilarious to me. So basically, I guess you can fully attack guys, but most of what I did was just do the worst possible job counting out submission holds. <laughs> like, if it's the guy you don't want to win, just never even starting to count or, like, blasting through it when... Yeah, the special guest referee is just allowing you to be a troll, the match. Oh, yeah. yeah, just allowing you to rig the match. You can count pins at whatever speed you'd like. You can, uh, yeah, declare submissions or not. It's It's a really interesting mode and kind of it's really fun that it exists. In practice, though, it just leads to fights. Sure. <laughs> like, imagine, like, you're playing this game with friends. Oh, yeah. And two of you are facing off, and the third friend is going to be the special referee. True. It just leads to fights. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> the funniest thing that happened in this whole game to me is that, like, two matches after this one, I guess, refereed, the guy who lost came back, and he was like, I think that match was rigged. And it's like, girl. <laughs> Like you, you had the other guy in a submission hold like eight times, and I just did not count it. <laughs> like it's like the most transparent rigness I've ever seen. It's like I have a sneaking suspicion that my loss was not legitimate. <laughs> yeah, it was Taz. He it actually matched up because his character is usually that he has grievances. Well, and so you gave him a grievance. This one he was right about, but. But yeah, I think we, I mean, I had I had a lot of fun going through this career mode with you. And as a career mode, I thought it was, you know, quite good, especially because it had some branching paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does introduce you to a lot of the characters. So you actually get a flavor of what the other wrestlers are like, which I really liked. I know you really liked the, the Holly cousins, Bob Holly, Crash Holly. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, it also, you, so it does introduce you to some of the other characters, but it also gives you like recurring villains. Yes. Like I felt like I was in a storyline. You know what I yeah. mean? Like this you, thing with Kurt you Angle. You hated Kurt Angle. I still do. Like if I see that guy in person, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he kept coming back in every time I would be like, this guy again, this guy, you are back for more. Are you kidding me? Like 
it I don't know, it it did a good job of of evoking that kind of of long-term rivalry or whatever that that I think happens a lot in in the league. One of the things about wrestling fandom that I think has never translated for me is you would sometimes talk about when two wrestlers were facing off and you'd be like, this is a huge deal because this guy beat this guy in a whatever kind of holdout WrestleMania last year and blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, yes, they wrestled each other and one of them won. How could you possibly care that much about this or hold that much of a grudge? And boy, I learned I learned so fast, like I with with Kurt Angle, I completely understand now, like why why you would get so worked up because this is the guy who did that shit to me back in. Like I get it now. Yeah, I mean, No Mercy is so good for allowing you to, you know, to play out those feuds and to play at them in ways that are really satisfying. One thing that's in this game that I know we played around with is that you can actually copy your opponent's finisher. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you know if you and it it, it it's this thing and it, it's a thing that plays into actual wrestling too. That you know if you get beat by your opponent's finisher. It's so satisfying if you give that move to them the next time you face off. Yeah. Right. Like just small things like that were in this game and it just allows for so much joy, mm-hmm. at least for me as, you know, somebody who's a wrestling fan to be able to actually do this and and act these into you know, these wrestling fantasies out in, in the game. It was just so much fun. Um, and to that end, I want to get your thoughts on some of the other innovations that were in this game that were really exciting to me when this game came out in 2001. And so one of the big innovations that it added was the backstage areas that allowed you to fight backstage. Oh, yeah. And I know we didn't spend a ton of time backstage, but I think you got a sense of all the different areas. There's like a hallway, there's a pool hall, uh, which included a breakable table, which was something else. I think that might have been in WrestleMania 2000 as well. But again, the the fact that you could fight on the announcer's tables, or in this case, a pool table, and, yeah. and break through the table with a move was was so exciting to me. Um, you have like a boiler room, you have a locker room. Um, did you did you enjoy kind of that element of the of the game? Yeah, we ended up backstage. Uh, some of the some of the matches through in the crew mode forced you backstage. So I did like it. The one thing that I found frustrating about it is I found it hard to get into an actual rhythm fighting in those spaces because as soon as, especially in a tag team match where there's four people involved, right? As soon as one person throws another person like towards the door, it exits and transitions mm-hmm. very abruptly. All four of the people into the space that that person was thrown into, right? So if you're like in a locker room and you throw them like out the door, next thing you know, everyone is going to be in the hallway together. And so I kept getting yanked out of halfway Mm -hmm. through moves, um, either because like you had thrown something or you had gotten thrown. Like I just, I found it really hard to have those those rhythms still work, even though I I like the concept. I think it's really fun. Um, It's fun to see the different environments as well inside. Um, but just it like in practice, it was like a tiny bit less, that, Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Yeah. The transitions were kind of, were jarring sometimes, like how you actually move between those bases. I think that's just the difficulty of, of trying to match the rhythm of like four fighters, right? Like I wonder mm-hmm. if in one-on-one matches that would feel mm-hmm. different. And then, I, I mean, the thing I really want to talk about is, uh, as I mentioned before, the big innovation of No Mercy, the thing it might be known the most for among wrestling games, which is the, the ladder match, the first game with a ladder match. Okay. So you never knew what a ladder match was? No. Do you want to explain what the goal of the ladder match is? Yeah. So there's a thing like suspended above the ring. It might be like a flag or like a well, here pinky it's, here, or something. Here it's, in this case, <laughs> it's a, here it's a briefcase. In title oh, matches, yeah. you would have titles above the ring. Oh, okay. And then... The goal is instead of pinning your opponent, that you have to set the ladder and climb the ladder and grab 
you know, the thing that is, that is suspended. So the title of the briefcase. Yeah. So there's a ladder, which obviously you can imagine is a weapon as well, <laughs> as well as your tool for reaching the briefcase. And that's it. There's no other way to win. That's it. You're just trying to keep your opponent off this ladder and yourself trying to get it set up and get up there. And so one of the things that was so fun and that I kept laughing at, even though it was me losing, is I kept getting up to the top of the ladder and be like reaching for the briefcase, but you have to mash buttons to to, to actually get it. And someone would come along and do a, a strong attack to the ladder and the whole thing with you on it just tips over and falls like you can still you can pull opponents off the ladder like all all your different ways of interacting still apply um in this case and so it just ends up changing some of the stakes around you know being thrown out of the ring if your opponent has control of the ladder you know like will i be able to get back in in time to like take them off this you know yeah and one thing that we didn't really play out you you really never got into the habit of setting up interesting stunts with me which is when i got this game the the number one thing that i want to do especially mm-hmm. in a ladder match like for example you, you know when i hear there's a ladder match you just kind of dream about okay can i put my opponent on the announce table outside and then set up the ladder and then climb the ladder and then do my top rope finisher through the announce table oh my god okay which you can do in this game but you would never really play along with the with setting up those situations or you know in the, in these games too if you can actually put your opponent on your shoulders and you know then the other person can jump off from the top of the ladder and hit that person but and it, this is and this is you know when i play this with my brothers with my friends or with my cousins we just set up you know so many of these scenarios just seeing what kinds of things could we do with the ladder switchblade kelly though is just all about winning he just wants to set up the ladder <laughs> in the middle of the ring climb it and grab the and grab the title. You know what? This is a casualty of not knowing what's possible. This is a casualty of never having seen someone put their <laughs> opponent on the announcer's table, set up the ladder, climb it, and then do their finisher off. You know what I mean? Like this is the space where that like I have limited imagination, partially for yeah, lack of yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, because I think for me, especially like these kinds of wrestling games, it's like the sandbox element of those games is what's so appealing about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but in order to engage with that, I think you're right that you kind of have to have at least a sense of what might be possible. Yeah. Like even sometimes when you were trying to get us to execute like partner attacks, you would like be holding a guy and be like, get up on the turnstile and do your whatever. And the I'm turn, like, I'm trying, I'm the trying. Turnbuckle. The turnbuckle. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'd be like trying and trying to figure out like, oh my God, what button combo is because I'm I I don't yet have the facility and like ability to match like what move you're telling me to do with like, okay, which one is that? You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is this is where we show we saw the limits of my <laughs> my fighting style. You know, the the very fact that you were referring to your characters having a fighting style, I think Shows me that you've grown so much over <laughs> playing this okay. game. Okay, well. So I'm really curious about what your relationship is with wrestling now. What did you learn about the, you know, the the sport or the or the art form through playing this this game version <laughs> of it? Like, do you, do you appreciate it more? Is there anything that really stood out? So yes, yeah, I think I definitely appreciate it more. I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say I'm called to like start watching it or like, you know, we haven't quite crossed that that bridge. But I do, I think, understanding some of the basic rules uh, around different matches, I think coming to appreciate 
you know, th- the pacing and the theatrics and the sort of different beats in in a good match. And like, I feel I feel like I saw a little bit in this game of like where some of the joy in wrestling actually is, which I think was like not really visible to me before. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to be like starting to to watch New Japan re- matches or whatever, but I definitely do get your love of it more. I think a lot. Um, I got very attached to Ma to Kelly, um, and I will remember Kurt Angle as my nemesis from this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I understand the drama of a staged fight like much better than I did before. I think you're ready to watch Bret Hart versus Stone Cold from WrestleMania 13. Why? I think your your appreciation of what was going on. Okay. And uh, your appreciation of Bret Hart. My what? Your appreciation of Bret Hart. I think you will. When did we? He's not in this game. He's when unfortunately did we talk not in about this that? game. But I think I think you're ready to to watch that, and maybe you will then come to appreciate the genius of Bret Hart. <laughs> okay. Through, through that, <laughs> through that match. Um, do you have any final thoughts? I do. Creating a wrestler for WWF is like. It's very much like figuring out what is the correct level of shit posting online. <laughs> like it's hard to shit post the correct amount, which is not so much that it's actually bad, but not so uh not so softly that it it comes across as and, and I mean it's so funny, like especially for the era that this game is in, which is I think I mean this is saying a lot. I think their most crass era. <laughs> Like so, to to come up with a character that fits in with that roster specifically, I think you did it. But that I still can love with my sensibility right. today. Like I, I am not gonna have fun playing as a character that has like, to me, implies like wildly abhorrent things politically. Like I just don't have it in me to like love that character, right? Um, and so yeah, it was a little bit of a of a tightrope. But I, I feel I feel really proud of Kelly. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> no. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to this on. Um, you can find more information about the show at neverwasagamer.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at neverwasagamer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We've got to run now to play some real sports <laughs> of the Mario variety because we're doing some Mario sports. Mario sports games, the birthplace of Waluigi. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. But not the ones we're going to play because we're playing GameCube games. We're going to be playing Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. We're going to be playing Mario Power Tennis. And we're going to be playing Super Mario Strikers. So we'll see you all next time after we've played a bunch of Mario sports. Because annoying your opponent with a well-placed wah oh, God. is an essential part of being a gamer. <laughs>